Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. And welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. So Alyssa, it's been a rough week. But yeah, yeah, it has. I've been realizing over these last couple days that retreating into the absurd is a really underrated coping mechanism. So in that spirit, my question for you this week is, if we were living inside a magical realism novel and defying the dying wish of a powerful woman had bad supernatural consequences, Just how do you think the Republicans who are rushing to confirm a Supreme Court replacement for RBG might be punished? Here's one that I thought of. Ted Cruz's beard develops the ability to speak and fact checks him by screaming whenever he lies. Clarence Thomas is forced to live inside Anita Hill's brain. Oh, that one is almost... That is almost too mean for 100 years of solitude punishment. Okay. Mitt Romney begins to dramatically shrink over the course of a week until he's smaller than a mouse and his wife has to carry him around in a teacup to keep him safe. To double down on your teacup theme, Mitch McConnell is turned forever into the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland and not allowed any of the wacky tobacco he smokes. <laughs> Kelly Loeffler's hands turn into two fish, and she must keep them alive by submerging them in buckets of water at all times. Doctors can find no cure. That one's real weird. But. I don't. I can't top that one. That one's fucking weird <laughs> as hell and awful. Pruny. Imagine going through life pruny. She's got fish oh. hands. Just two fish hands. You can't oh. write. You can't drive. You've just got these two fish hand buckets. That you can, like, and they're pruny. Around. Yeah, exactly. Bitch, that's what she gets. <laughs> Fuck her. <laughs> this week on Hysteria, Senator Maisie Hirono, Ambassador Susan Rice, Megan Gailey, and Tian Tran join to tackle the following questions. What the fuck are we supposed to do now? How do we focus our energy effectively during a time of constant catastrophe? And is anger a waste of time or an important catalyst for change? All this and more right now. Okay, let's get started with the news. Of course, the big item of news this week is the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. After we found out that she had died uh, on Friday, um, Alyssa, you and I were kind of chatting, and there was one person that we really wanted to hear from. We just, if there was one person who was going to tell us what's happening and how we should feel, it's Senator Maisie Hirono from the great state of Hawaii. Yes, this is going to be her third time on Hysteria. She is officially a BFF of the show, I would say. And she also doesn't hold anything back and is going to give it, give it to us straight. So let's talk to Senator Hirono. Senator Hirono, welcome back to Hysteria. We could all use that spirit of aloha right now. So thank you for coming back again. You're, I think, our 
you're our first three-peat senator to come on three times. Oh, really? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I'm honored. Yeah, you can tell Tammy Baldwin that she's got a, you know, you're ahead of her. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tammy so, Baldwin is also one of my favorite people. Oh, that's I like, great. I like people who are feisty. Mm-hmm. You're feisty. Tammy is, uh, Tammy is quiet in, a, I mean, feisty in a very effective quieter way than I am, but we are on the same page. I can tell you that. She is a real progressive who is massively popular in a state that's incredibly polarized, Mm -hmm. which is like so cool that she's able, she's been able to accomplish that. So, okay. Enough of the Tammy love fest. You can tell (laughs) Tammy we love her too. Okay. Um, Senator, we lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg just days ago. She'll be the first woman in history to lie in state in the U S Capitol on Friday. So she hasn't even been honored yet, and the GOP is still cruising ahead with plans to replace her. Of course. Um, It seems like the conversation is being driven by people with no souls and people with no spines. So what the fuck is going on? Like, let it all out. Tell us what you think about all of this. What I think about all this is that, you know, I spent the last four years of this Trump administration knowing that we're in the moral dead zone with Trump and all his minions and everybody else who enables him. And so sad to say, uh, nothing surprises me. I'm still shocked and we still, we need to fight back, but I am reminded constantly that Mitch McConnell could give a rip about the millions of people who are suffering because of COVID. He could give a rip about pretty much anything else besides retaining his power and making sure that the judiciary is filled with people who have an ideological agenda that they will bring to their decisions. That is what he does, and that's what we've been doing. So here we are in the middle of COVID, and uh, he sat on the HEROES Act that was passed by the House for over four months, because why? He doesn't give a rip. Now, what I hope the people of Kentucky get is that he doesn't give a rip about them either, but they keep voting for the guy. And they have, you know, the voters in our country have choices in this election, which is truly the most important, consequential election of my life, because the future of our country democracy is at stake. And I am not given to hyperbole, but watching Trump and what he's doing and and the authoritarian that he has and his love affair with the dictators in the world says to me that our democracy is at stake and what I view as my job, part of my job, is to really (laughs) tell the American people what's at stake. And first and foremost, the clear and present agent right now is their health care is at stake with the Supreme Court. Senator, Trump is clearly, I mean, you you touched on this, but he's clearly using this SCOTUS nomination as a political weapon. We're a month out from the election. He's talking about how one of the candidates he's looking at is from Florida. You know how we love Florida, he says. He's going to likely announce his nominee just days before the first presidential commission debate uh, next week. He's even mused about announcing this as a primetime address. Does the GOP have any shame at all, or is this truly just win at all costs? It's win at all costs. Mm-hmm. They have no shame. They have no conscience. They have no sense of integrity. And they also have, 
uh, no sense of um, maybe they should live up to their words because they must think that the voters in their districts, and I'm talking about people like Tillis and Gardner and all these people who came forward and said in 2016, we shouldn't be dealing with a Supreme Court opening during an election, presidential election year, but they must think that their voters are going to continue to trust them when they can't even keep their word. So they're shameless. They want this person on the court so badly. And the first thing he or she will do is to strike down the Affordable Care Act. And I don't care whether you're a Republican, Democrat, independent, what have you, you care about health care. And when uh, you truly believe that your health care is at risk, because it is at risk, this person is going to strike down the Affordable Care Act, maybe uh, they'll wake up in time to make the right decisions about who they're going to vote for because, as you say, the choices are clear. Are we going to have Trump and his lying and chaos and uh, interfering with CDC, FD, uh, FDA? These were entities that we expected would tell us the truth. And now we have questions about whether or not they're just bending to the political will of this amoral, immoral, selfish, chauvinistic and everything else president. And so that's a bad time. It's a, it's a bad thing. The media especially, and even some Democratic leaders, are talking about RBG's replacement as if it is a foregone conclusion at this point. What should Democrats be doing and saying, and are there any procedural options that exist in the Senate that can help to slow this train down? There was a time back when, before Trump, where... Uh, Democrats and Republicans had a, a lot more regard for each other where you could actually negotiate and discuss things and talk about things. That's all out the window now. And so when you had that kind of uh, comedy, much greater comedy, I think that you could maybe slow things down better and all that. And so, you know what, what I've been seeing is we're going to use whatever tools we have to slow things down, but there's no question that they want to fast track this person. So what we need to do is to tell the American public that one, we're going to fight back. We're not going to, all the people who loved Ruth Bader Ginsburg and everything that she fought for, for all of us, that uh, we are going to fight back. And to me, the, the best way that we can fight back is to make sure that all these Republican senators who are talking out of both sides of their mouth and then doing a 180 lose because there are significant numbers of them who are up for re-election. That is the best thing we can do. And then we can start talking about how we can bring the country together. We can start talking about court reform, something I've been thinking about for years now. But none of those kinds of discussions will happen, debate will happen, if the Democrats do not take back the Senate. So here's my message to everybody. First of all, know that your health care is at risk because the president is not going to nominate somebody who will not strike down the Affordable Care Act. And he will not be nominating somebody who will not go after Roe v. Wade, either to totally overturn it or constrain Roe v. Wade's impact so much that it's basically a nullity. Those are the two things that the president cares about. And that's just for starters. We're not even talking about attacks on voting rights and voter suppression, immigrants, LGBTQ rights, this person, whoever he nominates, will have all of those kinds of perspectives that the Republicans so dearly love and we hate. So that's what we have to do. We have to take back the 
Senate and we have to win the presidency and vice presidency because these are clear choices. So on the note of the uh, the Roe v. Wade um, concern, which I think a lot of us have been worried about, especially yeah. because Donald Trump promised to fill the Supreme Court with people who would strike down Roe. Yeah. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat is filled with a person who doesn't believe in reproductive justice, do we need to mobilize and fight to at long last ratify the Equal Rights Amendment and make it law? Like, how do we fight back if Roe is overturned? If Roe is overturned, I mean, that's a it's a constitutionally protected right. And unless the Equal ERA um, goes that far, I think it's got to be pretty specific. But I think the way to proceed is to... Um, start by taking back the Senate so we can have a discussion about, in my view, court reform. Because uh, the Supreme Court will be stacked at this point with, with if, if Trump gets his person in there, six to three. It's bad enough that when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on the court, I had dinner with, with her and with some others I was sitting next to her. And she talked about how concerned she was with all the five to four, basically ideologically split decisions that will come out of the court more and more. So we start with Citizens United, going forward to Lily Ledbetter, to uh, Shelby County, all these decisions that are five to four. And she said, there are gonna be more of those. So now what, if, if Trump gets his nominee, it'll be 63. And Roberts, who I think has some level of concern about the legitimacy of the Supreme Court, what's he gonna do? Right now he can be the swing vote, but in a 63, I think his powers, his, uh, all of that is really diminished. So you're gonna have all the Trump Republican appointees, they're gonna get their way with the courts. So uh, they're gonna do a lot of damage. And this is why I've been concerned about court reform for a number of years now. But as I say, we don't have that serious discussion unless the Democrats take back the Senate. Senator, let's stipulate that Donald Trump is the worst human we've ever seen. Um, oh, yeah. I totally agree. He is. Like, he's just, he's the worst. And mm -hmm. so for everyone listening, we have just 40 plus days from now until the election. What should everybody be spending their time focused on from now until Election Day? Making sure that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get elected. And, you know, we should be paying attention to those states that actually provide the electoral votes. Because, mm -hmm. sure, Hillary won by three million more votes, but I hate to say it, so what, right? Fewer than 80,000 votes in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. So we got to make sure that all those states that will provide the electoral advantage to Trump, we got to bust our asses to make sure that our people are in there voting in those states in particular. I'm not uh, setting aside any of the other states. And then the other, the other thing we have to do is to make sure that uh, people like Mark Kelly and you know all of our other wonderful candidates in Maine, uh, in Arizona, North Carolina, North and South Carolina, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. It'd be great to mm -hmm. eliminate Mitch McConnell because I think uh, he is so ruthless. Mm -hmm. that uh, I've watched him. Uh, I, this man has uh, absolutely no agenda except to retain his power. So there, there are, we have candidates, Iowa, mm -hmm. you know, all the states where there are vulnerable Republican incumbents, we need to get in there 
and do whatever we need to do to defeat these people so that we can take back the Senate. So, you know, let's get real. Let's get pragmatic here. <laughs> oh, Senator, I wish that this was a happier conversation, but I think we're all ready to fight now. Yes, I think so we're all ready we to fight to the, for the next. It's a 40 day dash to Election yeah. Day. And I think. And, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg would not uh, lay down her. Uh, I mean, she would. She just kept on fighting. I mean, she was, what, nine of only uh, what 500 people in her law school class. And, mm-hmm. and then she tells the story of uh, I think the dean or somebody invited all nine women mm-hmm. to a dinner. And did you hear the yes. story? Yeah. They had to explain how it is that they think they could take the place of a man mm-hmm. in that class. You know, she put up with a lot of bullshit. So, hey, we can weather this. We can make this happen. We can be the change that she talked about. And especially, I'm sure you have a lot of young listeners. Ruth Bader Ginsburg particularly was energized by young people who were so committed to the kind of changes that they'd like to see in terms of equal protections for LGBTQ rights, the environment, all of that. She particularly wants the young people to come out and vote in droves. Mm-hmm. That's how we can honor her. I think young women are really fired up. And I, you know, yes. just to add to what you're saying, 2018, the election in 2018 was like historic. Like we kicked ass yes. in 2018 and specifically women kicked ass in 2018. Yes. That happened right on the heels of the Kavanaugh hearings mm-hmm. that all of these like media folk were saying that we're going to galvanize conservatives. But you know what? It did the opposite because yep. women saw that and they were like, fuck this. Yes. We're going to do something <laughs> about it. So maybe the Supreme I Court- am counting on the women in this country who get it and who will say, you know what? Enough of you guys. Yeah. 2018 was really great. And we had so many. Uh, p- women of color in particular getting elected to the U.S. House. It gives me hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gives me hope. And that's, uh, and as Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, we are the change. Mm-hmm. So we, we can be the change. We are the change. As Thank they've you, been saying on Twitter, as Erin and I have said, may her memory be a revolution. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Senator, for taking the time. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you the next time you come on. And um, have a great day. Mahalo. Mahalo. Aloha. Thank you so much, Senator Hirono. I am so excited that this week, this awful week, we have an incredible duo of women that we've gotten to talk to. Up next, we are going to chat with Ambassador Susan Rice. We're so excited to have Susan Rice on the show this week. Susan was President Barack Obama's National Security Advisor and U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. She's done a ton of other important things, too, and is also a New York Times bestseller for her memoir, Tough Love, My Story of Things Worth Fighting For, which is now out in paperback. Hi, Susan, and welcome to Hysteria. Hey, Erin. Hey, Alyssa. It's great to be with you both. Oh, it's good to have you. I miss you, honey. Oh, we're going to get into it, sister. (laughs) Susan, as National Security Advisor to President Obama, you oversaw responses to many catastrophes, including pandemic preparedness. The U.S. hit the milestone of 200,000 who have died from COVID-19 this week. What does it mean that the United States of America is leading the world in mortality in COVID-19? If Merkel, Trudeau, and Macron had a group text, what do you think they'd be saying? You know, I think they'd be sad. I think they'd be embarrassed and heartbroken that their closest ally and partner that they 
trusted and relied on for so many things has proven itself to be not just incompetent, but incapable of uh, responding with leadership and compassion. I mean, this 200,000 milestone that we've just passed is not a function of the fact that there's a deadly virus in a pandemic circulating the globe. Yes, that's true. And yes, that would inevitably killed um, thousands of Americans. But no other country has reached this horrific number of deaths, much less the most developed country on earth with the greatest healthcare system on earth and the most advanced science and technology. And the reason why we are at this deadly point, and we are still counting, this is going up and up and up, is literally because Donald Trump could give a goddamn about the health of the American people. All he cares about is his own political prospects, his own political power. And he has deliberately, we now know, avoided the science, avoided the facts, lied to the American people, and he does it to this day in order to allow us to die rather than lead the government to help us live. This is his fault to an enormous extent, and the blood, frankly, is on his hands. Susan, you're both a political beast, having been in politics for many, many years, and a foreign policy guru respected around the world, which I know because I traveled the world with you. Uh, Director of National... I'm honored that you would consider me a political beast. I don't think of myself... Oh, you are. You're smart as fuck. You know you are. Director of National Intelligence Ratcliffe said several weeks ago he would not brief members of Congress in person on election security. He's now saying he may brief... Some. This week, we heard about the CIA assessment that Russia was working to influence our election, likely with Putin's awareness, of course, with Putin's awareness. Should members... That's just awareness, direction, Putin's direction. Because he's a fucker. Should members of Trump's foreign policy team from Pompeo on down ever work in national security ever again? Please put into context how (laughs) fucked up this is. I think they are, they have disqualified themselves from any kind of service because service is about doing what is right for the national interests of the United States of America. And instead we have in Donald Trump and those who support him and apologize for him, leaders who have for whatever reason decided to do what serves the interest of our arch adversary, Russia and Vladimir Putin. Every single day, Uh, whether it's Trump the other day refusing to comment on the uh, poisoning of Navalny to their efforts to hide the reality that the intelligence community is trying to screen from the rafters, which is that Russia is, as we speak, doing all it can to denigrate Joe Biden and elect Donald Trump. These people are doing Putin's bidding. And four more years of Donald Trump, I don't know what to expect. It's like Russia doing a a peaceful takeover, uh, a a non-hostile takeover of the United States. That is what Donald Trump is leading us to. And they already have accomplished, for all we know. Uh, I do not like Borscht enough to be okay with that. (laughs) Um, So we've touched on this already, but as a person with a real eagle's eye view of the world in U.S. politics, there's sort of a 
we're sort of in the middle of a like snow globe of worst case scenarios right now, from RBG and SCOTUS to wildfires still burning, an election in 40 days, the aforementioned intelligence and Russia problems, all of this going on at the same time. What, in your opinion, is most important for people to be focusing on right now? So how do we prioritize our focus and our energy? Well, this is an exhausting time and a frightening time because we have, as I just wrote uh, in the New York Times today, an extraordinary convergence of crises simultaneously, uh, any one of which would be considered a, a serious national security threat. And yet we have many of them coming together at the very same time. So it's truly an unsettling time. Um, and I think, you know, I wish it were the case that we had the luxury of saying, well, this one matters and we can worry about the, the next one later. It feels like the American people are doing the kind of juggling that we used to have to do behind closed doors in the White House Situation Room where we were dealing with multiple crises simultaneously, not all of which may have been obvious to the American people. But to me, in this moment, I think two things rise above every other. One is the health and safety of the American people. So dealing with the pandemic and focusing on what we each can do as individuals and as a nation to get this pandemic under control so that our kids can go back to school safely, so that the economy can be revived, so that you know we stop losing Americans at this god-awful rate that we are now, and, and then losing more to, to perhaps long-term illness uh, than we know how to count. Um, it, so we've got to get the pandemic under control. That is job one. And obviously, Donald Trump is both unwilling and unable to do that, which leads to job two, which is closely related. We have got to get new leadership. The single most important thing we all can do in the next 40 plus days is to get out and vote, whether by mail, whether in person, whether early, whether on election day, whatever it is, but we have to do it and do it early and get it done. Because without new leadership, whether in the White House and the Senate, you know, this nation is going to a very, very dangerous, dark place that, that is going to turn back the clock decades. Um, and, and, you know, forget public health, forget reviving our economy, forget a lost generation of students that won't be able to catch up in school, forget our global leadership. It will be the convergence of these national security crises combusting into something really extraordinary. So we have got to vote like our lives depend on it because they literally do. Susan, looking at the world as it is, we've seen a lot of tragedy the past few years around the globe. But one funny thing I keep noticing is that when women are leaders of countries, they're faring better. Funny Chancel that. Funny. <laughs> Chancellor Merkel, who you know I love, she's crushing COVID along with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who also just like got rid of semi-automatic weapons after a mass shooting because it was the right thing to do. We have Prime Minister Sana Marin in Finland, who's only 34, who saw fewer than 10% of the deaths that Sweden saw from COVID. And the president of Taiwan, Tsai Ing-wen, executed one of the most successful efforts in containing COVID using, wait for it, testing, contact tracing, and isolation. Are women, are women making the world more safe? Look, women care about people. Women 
care about science and facts and uh, leadership that is designed to serve the people they represent. Now, not all women. There's some bad women leaders and there's some good male leaders. Let's be honest. True. Uh, but it, I do not think it is a coincidence or an accident that many of the countries that have delivered the best response to the COVID pandemic have been led by women. Susan, thank you for coming on Hysteria. We hope you will come back. And if you decide to run for something someday, we hope you announce it here because we love you. And obviously, (laughs) you will have to let me run any campaign you would ever embark on because I am your ride or die and you know that. Through the other Girl, time. You're coming with me, whatever I do. But whatever. Oh. Thank you for making time for us this week. We really appreciate it. Thank well, you it's so been much. great to be with you guys. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, (laughs) not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Welcome back. There is a panel of women here to talk about the thing that we are about to talk about, and I'm going to introduce both of them now. First up, she is the host of the show, The Megan Gailey Bubble Machine, which you can find on YouTube. It's Megan Gailey. Hi! 
So good to see you. It's good to see you too. Happy wedding countdown. Oh, thank you. I'm like not even, I'm trying not even to be excited about it because I've learned from COVID to never be excited about anything. Well, what a blushing bride you make. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Until I'm literally like in my dress. Yeah. I am just assuming that something fucked up is going to happen and I'm not going to. Anyway, next up, she is a comedian and actor. Plus, you can hear her on the podcast Popcorn Book Club. It is Tian Tran. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. Um, So before we started recording, or when we were just kind of shooting the breeze, all four of us sitting in here, um, we were talking about the uh, question of how are you doing? Are you fine? Are you okay? And uh, the answer is we are not okay, I think is a a fair thing to say. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death has been hard on a lot of people. Um, her, Her family her friends, you know, anybody who knew her, who worked with her, her clerks. But it, she was also really important to a lot of women and a lot of feminists in particular. And uh, so let's let's talk about that. Um, Alyssa, I'm going to start with you. Um, how did you find out about her passing and what was your reaction? So last Friday... I decided that I was going to have a night that my mother calls ginks up. When you're done with your work, you've had a cocktail, you're having dinner, you put your feet, your ginks up, and you watch a show. And so I had had dinner, my feet were up, and I was like, you know what? I am finally going to get into Little Fires because Reese and Carrie, what was I thinking? I hadn't seen it. So I put my phone down. I had a drink. I might have had an edible. I'm watching my show. And all of a sudden, my phone is like vibrating. And I didn't even know that I had it on vibrate. And I'm like, what is this? And I have a series of texts. Oh, no, it can't be. Mm. You have to be kidding me. Cry emoji. I was like, what the hell? And I looked and my friend Leah and I was like, what are you even talking about? As Leah is bubble texting me, Aaron texts me and is like, I cannot believe this. Well, that was the end of Little Fire's for sure. And I immediately just burst into tears, like 100%. And then my husband called and he's like, can you believe it? And I was like, I, I can't even talk about it. Like, no, I can't believe it. It couldn't. It feels cosmic. It feels like, it felt like more than a person passing away. You know what I mean? It felt mm-hmm. like the universe was speaking to us. I wasn't sure what the universe was saying. And so I uh, turned to CNN and drowned my sorrows in punditry. That sounds like a terrible way to drown sorrows. It yeah. feels like yeah. just just like throwing gasoline on the fire of sadness. Um, yeah, that's usually a scene in a movie right before someone like really spirals out. Yeah. <laughs> like if they're drunk watching punditry. It's like, okay, call 911. <laughs> like a great way to meditate is to listen to a bunch of talking heads. <laughs> yeah. A lot of talking heads who like practiced what they were going to say in the green room before they got on the air talking heads who like know how their faces look when they're trying to convey sadness. It's, it's weird. Um, Megan, how about you? What was, what was your experience? With um, this? I got one of the, you know, it was like 5 PM here and I got one of those alerts on my phone. I don't even know how I still have these. I get <laughs> alerts sometimes. Like it's like Monday night football start. It's like things that I'm like, I don't care about. Leave me alone. But this, you know, I, I, I got the alert and I was in my car and I, started crying in my car. Um, and then 
I, I honestly just kind of started eating and I didn't really stop. I gained six pounds this weekend and I blame Mitch McConnell. Um, but it just, there, it, it felt like there's so few threads of hope right now. And she was one of those threads of hope for myself. And I think for millions and millions of people. And so then you, you just feel that hope kind of leave your body. And that was just a, a really sad realization. And then we had an earthquake Friday night out here in Los Angeles. And I looked up and I just see my husband, he was telling me a story and he just starts shaking back and forth. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like I woke up Saturday, I'd completely forgotten the earthquake because I was still consumed with grief. Like there's just kind of these waves that keep keep hitting you of, of sadness and of just fuck. Mm -hmm. Tian, how about you? Um, I was actually in the middle of dinner with my partner's family, my family and gays. And <laughs> I, um, we were all eating and having a nice time. And then her dad walked away from the table and looked at his phone and he was like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And we were like, are you joking? Like, I think hearing that news from a, a patriarch felt like really jarring <laughs> in this time. And I was like, we all, it was like myself, my partner and her mom sitting at the table and we just all fell completely silent. Mm -hmm. And like, I wanted to cry, but like in my brain, I was like, I can't cry in front of her parents. I don't know why. In my, I was like, I just can't cry in front of her mom and dad. So we finished dinner and we had planned on doing a bonfire that night um, and it felt kind of nice to kind of sit together quietly around the fire and just like be together in that moment. I think for me, the biggest thing was that I was sad about our passing, but also kind of furious and full of rage that we are in a position where all of our hopes or it feels like so much of our hopes rests on this woman's shoulders. And I was really just frustrated that we are in a political system, that that is the conversation and that we need to start imagining a, a different way of moving forward. I was just like, I was furious that mm -hmm. that is where we've come to. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I, I always feel like before something life shattering happens before I get bad news. I always remember the thing I'm doing right before it is just some dumb fucking shit. <laughs> like why well, was I was deep conditioning my hair <laughs> and like I, it was just some dumb fucking, and I was like, my hair is going to be so soft after this. And then I got a text that's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, you know, my friend Joanna texted me and, and that's how I found out. And I was by myself in my apartment. And the first thing I did was just start crying. And I don't think I was crying. I, I never met Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, when other um, famous people, important people, influential people have passed that I've really, you know, really looked up to, I haven't necessarily felt so like racked with sadness and grief. And given like the days that I've had to kind of figure out why I was like bodily sobbing. It wasn't just for her, the person. It was for all of the things that she accomplished. I just immediately knew what was going to happen is that there are people who are going to try to undo her. Like 
when Prince died, there wasn't like a Mitch McConnell of music who was like, I'm going to make sure nobody listens to his music ever again. Or like, we're not going to have musicians like this anymore. We're going to make laws against these. It's like when somebody dies, you get a chance to mourn the person and like appreciate their life and their accomplishments and be and be sad that there's not going to be more from them and and feel bad for their family and loved ones. But when somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, you are also mourning everything that that they tried to do, like their life's work. And, you know, and I was just thinking about all the ways that I'm going to be just the next couple months are already going to be terrible leading up to the election and just emotionally draining. And I just was like, I don't I can't fucking take a Supreme Court like mm. hearing where a bunch of fucking pencil necked Republicans gaslight us into believing that whatever nutcase they nominate isn't going to try to dismantle our rights. I can't take that on top of the bullshit of the later stages of an election season. It's too fucking much. I'm like, uncle. I want to call emotional (laughs) uncle. Like, I can't. And then when the earthquake happened, it was like, I felt like a character in a like 1950s movie, like a woman who has just completely lost her nerve. And like, I was just like, oh my God, I just can't. I can't. This is just too much. I just can't. And, you know, I had a a few nights where um, my stomach hurt so much from being worried about the country um, that I couldn't sleep because my stomach hurt. And I would just spend all night like ruminating about how bad things could get. And now I'm just thinking like, you know, what do we do? You know, what do we do? Mm. Is there anything, you know, that's, that was my, that's been my like recurring questions. Like, what do we do? Have any of you thought that question through and like, what are you going to do? Money. I mean, like the, I think the one silver lining is you've seen how much this has like gotten people to donate and you really hope that this is like a shockwave that, that galvanizes all of us to just, I mean, it's six weeks away, but um, yeah, just seeing those financial numbers out of Act Blue and get Mitch or die trying, like seeing those did give me some amount of, of hope and at least feeling like there's other people that are feeling like I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, you know, people are posting variety of quotes online and I love seeing quotes out of context from tweets and on Instagram stories but there was one that did resonate with me and Kerry Washington had said like been asking myself why we're losing our heroes this year I'm thinking maybe the time for hero worship is ending those singular souls cannot carry all the weight we must each step into being heroes of our own community and I think this time and her passing you know only highlights more that these institutions are failing us. Like, I think it's very frustrating that with her passing, I have to like, we all have to like jump on phones and phone bank for Mm -hmm. our lives and beg senators to like not put someone in the Supreme Court seat that she has left with rolling back rights for marginalized communities. Like, I think that's, I'm in my own, I feel like even more amped that I'm in the closet, like all my emotions (laughs) are like (laughs) riled up around me right now. But like, it's so infuriating. But I found hope that like, a lot of the rulings and, you know, things that we now maybe take, not take for granted, but are in danger because she has 
passed, those rulings came because of mass movements and because of protests and because of all of us coming together and galvanizing and making a climate for those rulings to be able to be passed in a way that like gives marginalized communities better rights or like access to different things. So like I'm trying to hold on to that, that like she represents so much but she also had so many people that worked with her and worked alongside her. And also, you know, we as a feminist and women and, you know, folks across the spectrum, like pushing for more things, like I'm trying to hold on to that, that it is on us and not just on these political, you know, people that are in power. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that's, you bring up a good point about heroes. And I think because there were so few people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the court, I mean, we, Sonia Sotomayor for, I think people don't know how Mm -hmm. important an advocate she has been. And Uh she's going to become more important to people as more people get familiar with the way that she has been as a member of the Supreme Court, because she's been great. Um, But she can't do everything. I think a problem with trying to make somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg into a, a an all-purpose hero is that, like, I feel like her life has sort of been turned into, like, a, a meme, like a cartoonish meme. And, like, she has, a, she has a set of accomplishments that are impressive, but they don't encompass all of the things that people are trying to give her credit for. You know, like, and I'm not trying to, like, in any way denigrate her memory. I'm just saying, like, you know, I've seen, you know, a lot of people on Instagram sharing a post where like Ruth Bader Ginsburg's face is photoshopped over the picture of Jane Fonda raising a fist as she's getting her mugshot taken. And it's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg would never try to get arrested. That wasn't her style. <laughs> right. She she engaged with the institutions that oppressed people like her and changed them from inside. She wasn't a fucking barn burner. She wasn't somebody who was like going to throw paint on the steps of the Supreme Court. She was somebody who came in and played by the rules and won rather than being like, fuck the rules. So, I mean, Alyssa, you look like you have something to say. No, no, no. I just, well, one, I agree with you that we don't need to ascribe things to her that weren't actually her because she was fucking dope enough as she was, you know, like, she doesn't need to have gotten arrested to be been more impactful. Um, no, but I just I was just really mad. Like I I don't want to pretend like I had some lofty fucking weekend. Like I was pissed. I'm like one of my dearest friends posted um, a receipt that she had donated to uh, get Mitch and some other candidates. And like I know she doesn't have a job. You know, I know she hasn't had a job since March. And like the thing is that made me so mad is that it is on people to do more. And like, but so many people have been doing so much already. And to mm-hmm. just see that people, the I guess the thing is, it's like, you know, Ayanna Presley always says that the people, the people closest to power should be the people furthest from power, right? Like that I, I, I'm fucking up her statement, but you know what I'm saying? That that the people who are impacted the most by the rules should be the closest to making the rules. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I just feel like I was just really mad because I feel like the people who have been working the hardest, who have the most to lose, have lost the most and mm-hmm. are the most scared right now. And so I just, I was just pissed. I was really, I was mad about it. I, I wouldn't say I got into a funk because that's not, productive, maybe a little funk. Um, But I think that that's, I just thought that it was so supremely 
unfair, right? It's like not productive to think about things being fair and not fair because nothing's really fucking fair. But the fact that like it feels like Mitch McConnell, the most evil, vile person, the biggest, let's say it, fucking hypocrite to ever walk the earth is somehow getting what he wants. And like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to not see it that way. And I think it's Mm -hmm. fine to be as mad as we want to be about the fact that it feels like people who are cheating are winning. (laughs) It it also really sucks that like she just died and there hasn't really even been a a half of a day of mourning. Like she died and then it was like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Instead of like, oh, let's have a celebration of this incredible person and like let's see the flags at half mast and let's see like the casket go through the streets and and all the things that she truly, truly deserves. And that's not happening. Like, I don't even know if I've heard one Republican say a kind word about her. Not that I would like be waiting, you know, with bated breath for that, but still it's like Chadwick Boseman, we're we're still mourning him and celebrating him because there weren't people on the opposite side of him trying to, take everything away from everything Mm -hmm. he stood for. And so this, the grief process is too fucked up right now. And and that, that is unfair. Yeah. I saw a quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg that was shared a lot and, and it kind of, you know, it was one of those moments where I was like, I don't know about this one, Ruth. I I think I disagree. Um, And the quote is don't waste your energy on things like anger, envy, and resentment. These just zap your energy and waste time. And, you know, I think envy and resentment are probably not great uses of your time, but like anger, when has change ever happened without anger? Like when has like being angry, you know, like I think about the protests this summer after George Floyd was murdered. That was anger. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about like the, the women's movement, you know, that, that resulted in us being able to do things like obtain credit cards without our husband's permission, which is something that Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually helped as a as a lawyer. Uh, people were angry about that. So, like, how do we use anger? Like, what is the role of anger in getting things to uh, go from very, very fucked up to slightly less fucked up? I, I, I agree with you. I think anger is very important in this moment. Alyssa, what you said about like that it feels like the cheaters are winning. Like I'm pissed that it doesn't on some level it doesn't feel like they're cheating. It feels like this they're using the system that was built to like they they're not cheating as much as if we if they were cheating, I feel like people would be even more upset, but they actually are using the game against us. It feels like a really fucked up game right now. And that's why we're so angry. And like, I think even you had mentioned it uh, on Instagram or something, Alyssa, that like you want the I would I want the Democrats to be fucking pissed. Like, yes. I mm-hmm. need to see more. Like, I want to see more anger. I don't want to see more dunking on Twitter. I can't take the dunking Mm -hmm. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Like, I want them to be dunking in person on in D.C., like doing way more. Like, we've been playing by these rules of etiquette and civility. But it's like that is that I want I want people to be pissed. And I want that anger to, like, empower folks to be doing stuff because 
they, they aren't they are playing by the rules that's kind of what the fuck they are playing by. like we're losing the people that are like playing by these fucked up rules so much of the way that america was planned out and so much of the way that american history has played out has been designed to accommodate the feelings of racists and of a vocal minority that is totally against any uh, progress whatsoever. Like the Senate right now, more, uh, you know, if you take a look at the senators and who they represent, Mm -hmm. Democratic senators represent way more people than Republican Mm -hmm. senators, but Republicans are in control, you know. Uh, Donald Trump lost the popular vote by three million, and now he's going to be able to appoint three justices to rule on cases that are uh, that most Americans are ideologically against. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like maybe the rules are. I mean, maybe the rules aren't good. Maybe this isn't the best. You know, maybe a bunch of old guys in seventeen hundreds didn't come up with the very best plan for a country because right now it seems like we're at the we're at a point where everybody's sort of like, wait a minute, are we cool with this? Because this type of minority rule is like completely the opposite Mm -hmm. of what most Americans want. Like, Alyssa, do you see this coming to a sort of like, I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was an institutionalist. Like she believed that this design could work. I mean, do you think that that still holds up? So let's, let me be very honest about something. Up until a few years ago, I, too, was an institutionalist working in the Senate, working in the White House. I'm like, look, there's a reason things are the way they are. And I could always see the reason. Right. But the truth is that if not everyone involved in the government is playing by the rules as they were intended and designed, then it doesn't work. And the Republicans aren't. And so, like, personally, I want to see. And the truth is, like. What the Republicans are doing is fucked up, but it's not like it's fucked up on like a protocol and precedent level, but it's not like it can't happen. Like it can happen. Mm -hmm. They're not like doing anything illegal, I guess. I mean, they're doing things that people typically don't do because it's not it's like out of decorum. And Mm -hmm. what I want to see is there are actual rules in place in the United States Senate, where they could fuck this shit up. Like, Democrats could probably shut down the Senate if they wanted to by exploiting the very arcane rules that Aaron is talking about. And so I guess I want to see that level of Mm -hmm. play. You know, like, I want to see the Democrats at least fucking make a run at Mm -hmm. stopping Mitch McConnell. Like, if it means that you're going to be in your Senate, and like, look, I also am not only an institutionalist, I'm a logistician in some ways. And so like, put me in coach, like, let me (laughs) schedule the Senate within a minute of its life. Let's figure out how to get people in challenged like races to where they need to be. So they're campaigning and people who aren't. I want them mobbing up the Senate floor with filibusters and votes and quorum calls and whatever the fuck it is they can do Mm -hmm. in the minority to at least play like just Mm -hmm. like show you've got some game you know maybe they have a secret plan that we're not aware of but this is something that I think for a lot of people including the people who are giving truly money they don't have to give to try to send people to the senate to do the job like I guess I just want to see that our leaders are working as hard as the people who have been foreclosed on and lost their jobs Mm -hmm. and don't have any income now during COVID because the HEROES Act was never fucking passed and so like 
just do as much, man. Just do as much as the average person. That's all I ask. Them fucking stuff up is warranted right now. It's not even, it wouldn't need, it, it's fire with fire at this point. It's like, they're just tweeting out. Like, I can't believe they did this. Pass it on. And it's like, no, you pass it on. You pass it on in person. Like, yeah. make a fucking human pyramid that blocks them being able to do whatever. Like, we're tr- I, let's all watch, like, Little Giants or one of the uh, Little Rascals and pull all the hijinks we can think <laughs> exactly. of. Exactly. Let's throw Here's, it at I, Yes, Mighty Ducks too. Let's go. <laughs> any any uh, Angels in the Outfield. Anything yes. about Underdog. The Big Rookie Green. Of the year. <laughs> the let's Big Green. break Chuck Schumer's arm and then he can throw a fastball at someone's head. I don't even care what we do. <laughs> But, like, yeah, it seems we got to innovate. Like, here's the thing. Okay, look. Here's a good here's a good analogy. Normally, if you're walking down the street and you see somebody who has made you mad, it's not okay for you to go up and kick them in the balls. That's 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 not okay. okay but if that person... <laughs> yeah, stop it. Tian, sorry. Sorry for the subtweet. Stop kicking random people in the balls. But, you know, if that person is, like assaulting you, Mm -hmm. kick them in the fucking balls. Mm -hmm. Like if what is happening, like what is happening to democracy is an assault, we should be kicking them in the goddamn balls. And like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry men who are listening to this and cringing. I under, I don't have balls, but I understand getting kicked in them is very painful. So you understand what I'm saying. Like use scratch and claw and do everything you can to keep this from happening because it's a, it's a fucking assault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To anyway. like build on what you were saying, all everything that you're all saying, but like the, yeah, the fact that like Democrats we're, we're at a position that now we're fighting for like Mitch McConnell not to have this vote. Like where was that fire for when people needed money and relief during COVID? Like all of it is so frustrating. I'm like, what are you doing? Like what is Congress doing right now? Like I see, I see the tweets. I can't stand the tweets. I can't take the tweets anymore. I can't. It, it feels like it's a it's like an empty. It's like a thoughts and prayers at this moment to mm-hmm. see someone being like, mm-hmm. wow, Mitch McConnell's an asshole. I can't believe he's trying to push something through. I'm like, OK, we voted for you to do something like please lay your body down the line, like go and do something. These are my concerns with voter suppression. They're like, look at what they're doing. It's like, okay, well, what what's the plan? Like, LeBron can't do it all, you know? Like, there's o- there's only so much, and at some point, one of you is gonna have to say, here's the plan, and this is what we're doing. And it and it seems like I don't even know what's. Go- I, I don't even know who is the the top person giving the orders at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, there's the the one thing that's made me feel better is like there are ways to sign up or apply to become a poll watcher or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you have the ability to travel to a couple battleground states, if it's safe for you, like I know Florida and Arizona um, both have a need for people to just kind of like keep an eye on things or maybe help recruit more volunteers. So that's a really, that's a really good, helpful thing to do. I feel like at this point, like we, we interviewed Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii earlier, and, you know, it's like we – our victory in November needs to be total un- unquestioned and mm-hmm. humiliating. And I think mm-hmm. it can be, but, like, we have to stay in this, like, really awful feeling of anger for the next 40 days. It'll be like mm. Lent, kind of. And you guys are – who's – anybody else Catholic here? 
Okay. Be like, oh, nice. We're like the Supreme Court, 75% fucking Catholic. I've always been really bad at Lent. I've always been like, I'm having a chicken taco. And then I'm like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Long have I stopped doing any of that. There's a, I was, I was, I was reading some article about psychology and like happiness. And there's like actual scientific basis for like giving something up that you love for a Mm. period of around 40 days. Because then when you get back to it, you'll love it more. your baseline will have been adjusted downward. So you'll be able to derive more happiness out of something. So my point here is for the next 40 days, if we just like settle into this being pissed off, angry feeling of like, let's, we got to fucking fix this. Then after the election, if everything goes our way, we're going to be so happy. We're going to feel like we're on some sort of like extreme upper and it's going to be like the best organic high that any of us have ever experienced. Okay, if you promise. I promise. You, guys. You promise. Just just understand the dopamine levels are going to be low for the next 40 days, but then they're going to be they're going to be super high. This is going to be my relationship with the McRib where I have to wait for it to come out every year and then I get to eat it and then it's great and then I have to go back into thinking that it won't be there anymore. Okay, great. Shamrock shake, same thing. <laughs> Uh, McDonald's, you can sponsor this podcast. I will make an exception. Um, okay. Please. Guys, let's take a quick break. Then we come back. Sanity Corner. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious... He'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Okay, one more thing before we get to Sanity Corner, a little bit of housekeeping. First, do you have a pet issue that is super fucking important, but maybe is not getting enough attention this election? We want to hear from you. Send us a one-minute voice memo to hysteria at crooked.com and let that passion spill. You can rant, you can rave, just talk about something that matters that not enough people are talking about. Secondly, Alyssa has a new YouTube series called Let's Break It Down. Every week, Alyssa takes us behind the scenes at the White House to reveal how campaign events are planned, choreographed, and executed to prevent things from going terribly wrong. In the inaugural episode, Alyssa is joined by her pal, former White House press secretary and senior advisor to President Obama, Robert Gibbs, to break down the upcoming Trump and Biden debate. Check it out at youtube.com slash crookedmedia. And finally, as you may have already heard, Tuesday was National Voter Registration Day, but it's never too late to double check that you're still registered. Just go to votesaveamerica.com slash verify. This is especially important if you've moved since the last election or if you've changed your name or if you haven't voted in a while. Once you've checked yourself, make sure your friends and family have verified their registration as well. Then head to votesaveamerica.com slash everylastvote to volunteer for opportunities to help get new voters registered and to donate to organizations helping getting registration info to people in key places ahead of their deadlines. Okay, before we get to Sanity Corner, a couple of things. Uh, First of all, as we were recording this podcast, uh, news of the 
indictment in the Breonna Taylor case broke. And we actually were recording as we all found out about it. Um, it wasn't going to be part of the show because you know, we, we hadn't put it, you know, hadn't planned for it. But we thought that since it's such big news and since we're all so pissed that we would include that. So here's us um, talking about the Breonna Taylor indictment. Oh, guys. What? Breaking news. No. They oh. only indicted one. Who'd they indict? For Breonna Taylor. Taylor. They only invited, I'm guessing, the one who shot. Brett Hankinson was charged with a Class D felony, wanton endangerment in the first degree, max of one to five years in prison, $15,000 cash bond, no other officers charged. Fuck that. Like, wow. What? Oh. Man, you guys, this is. That is so fucking fucked up. They had to have known. They declared fucking Kentucky oh, yeah. a state of yeah, emergency Monday, days ago. Sunday. This is this is fucking unbelievable. When does it stop? I, if I, I, I yeah, I, I mean, people know who those officers are. You know, like yeah. I mean, the president of the United States went out of his way to pardon an obvious war criminal and celebrate him as a hero. Like, this is the sort of thing that there's a contingent of people that truly believe that the best America is one where white men get to do whatever the fuck they want to whoever the fuck they want. Mm -hmm. Women, people of color, women of color. Like, that's all something that that counts as, like, their jurisdiction. Fuck this. That's so... Dumbass, patriarchal Fuck it all. country. Oh, cool. Okay. So what's keeping us sane? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Welcome back. We have reached the part of the show where we are almost done, but we're not quite done yet. We are going to take some time this week to talk about ways that we are trying to cling to a feeling of sanity, hope, or happiness in times that feel very dark. It is Sanity Corner. So, um, Tian, you said you had yours there to go. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. your sa- What's your Sanity Corner this week? Uh, my Sanity Corner is, has anyone watched the show Alone on History Channel? No. <laughs> Does anybody you're know what you're alone, I know. No, I know what you're talking about, Tian. <laughs> Okay, my friend turned me on to this. Season six is on Netflix. If you have a cable login, you can watch all of the seven seasons on History Channel. But the whole show is that they drop 10 survivalists into a remote area and they have to like they have they only get to bring 10 items with them and they have to record everything by themselves. So they're like out hunting and fishing and also have a GoPro in their hand the entire time. And it's been very comforting to watch people try to navigate being completely alone while we're all quarantined in our own silos. I was like, yeah, people people are important because it's like these <laughs> men and women, <laughs> men and women that are like, I, you know, I can really survive out here, but I just miss my friends. I've missed my family. And I'm like, this is comforting to me that this that we're I don't feel alone watching alone because I also miss my friends and I also miss my family. And I'm learning a lot about trapping (laughs) and (laughs) and shelter building. 
uh, a lot about diet. Diet is really intense. If you're just eating fish the whole time and you're not eating any vegetation, you will be backed up and constipated and have to talk. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> that sounds like extremely my shit. I think that 2021 is the year I just, I'm already planning for 2021 because fuck 2020. It's almost done. I'm just calling it done. I want to be a survivalist. I want to know how to do that shit. That it's sounds like. Very sounds, interesting to watch. It sounds super interesting. I um, mean, my, my favorite thing is to see like really mask burly men be like um because there's predators there's bears there's wolverines they're like fair game and these they're in territories of bears and this one guy was like someone's gonna have to call help for that bear i'm gonna kick that bear's ass oh and boy. the first night he landed there he saw a big pile of bear shit and he was like i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't really like you can't really trash talk a bear no nah. <laughs> it's really satisfying um, okay, uh, Megan, you want to go? Yeah, so mine is a documentary that's on Netflix right now. It's called My Octopus Teacher, and it is about a man who basically forms a friendship with an octopus that he's tracking, and it's it's heartwarming. I was very high when I watched it, so I can recommend it that way. I'm sure if you were not high, it would be fun too. It's beautiful shots of the ocean. It was shot in um, off the coast of South Africa. It's some of the most like beautiful underwater photography I've ever seen. It's just really oceanic beauty at its finest. Um, I just put subtitles on because I couldn't understand a word this octopus lover was saying, but his friendship is so sweet. It's it just really, the octopus is lovely too. Um, <laughs> and it was so calming. It really, really made me feel warm inside. That's great. I, that, what's it called? Octopus? My Octopus Teacher. I'm going to okay. watch it purely for that title. That sounds like a it's great so title. It sounds like a <laughs> Wes man, Anderson I mean, movie. It really does. Listen, the guy is like fully in love with this octopus and that's a little weird, but everything else is lovely. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, Alyssa, what's your Sanity Corner this week? Uh, my Sanity Corner is Melissa Gilbert's Twitter account. That's right. Laura Ingalls, Half Pint from Little House on the Prairie, fucking hates Mitch McConnell. She hates him. She is like, it's amazing because everything I've ever known about her, obviously, I've watched her since, you know, I was baby, is like that she's this good, warm-hearted person. So seeing her fucking hate Mitch McConnell and Republicans generally is just... It's like bouillon for your soul. It is so good. And she also sometimes, like Nellie, <laughs> Nellie Olson gets involved, Allison Angram. <laughs> it's great. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, also, she's like living in the middle of the woods during COVID <laughs> and uh, has good tips for doing outdoorsy things. So uh, I mm. recommend at M-E-G Busfield. Hmm. Okay, so kind of like alone. Kind, yeah, 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 kind of. I mean, I thought you meant Nelly of the Saint Lunatics, and I was like, now that is a mashup I'm here for. I don't even know what In that is. Here, you know, just to, to piggyback on that, a real good sanity corner is there's a lot of like '80s rock dudes who really hate Donald Trump. Ax mm. Axl Rose and Sebastian Bach, like Axl Rose tweeted, "Vote blue, bitches," and like. <laughs> 
put a picture of his, like the outside of his mail-in ballot on Twitter, like right before the 2018 election. And it was deeply, deeply endearing um, to see like all these guys who are just like, man, Fuck I cannot this. deal with it. Also, Mike Holmgren, legendary Packers coach, endorsed yeah. Joe Biden. Wow. Which is Whoa. really in That's Wisconsin. That is a big deal. That's a big deal. deal. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think what my what my sanity corner would be this week. Um, my sanity corner this week. Oh, guys. Okay. So, you know, gyms are closed in most places. And the places that gyms are open, it's, you know, probably not the wisest thing to do since we're not exactly sure how you know, catchy COVID can be in a space like that. So uh, we've been, you know, there, it's hard to find gym equipment, really impossible to find weights anywhere and stuff. But I, we do have one of those 10 pound balls that you pick up and you can slam mm. on the ground. <laughs> I gotta say, incorporating taking a 10 pound ball and jumping up and slamming it into the ground like 20 times in a row into my workout has been really, really cathartic. If there's any way that you, you know, if you're somebody who works out, get one of those big heavy ass balls and like throw it at the ground a lot. It feels great. That's my sanity corner this week. I like that. I feel that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, By the way, though, uh, some weights I ordered in June finally arrived this week. So now. <laughs> Serendipitous. Kind, did you get like customized weights? Like what took so long? Uh, just go online and look for weights. Yeah, There's, they're completely oh, really? out of stock everywhere. Yeah, you can't can't find them. You can't find them anywhere. You can't buy wood in upstate New York. <laughs> it's true. Wow. There's Couldn't no you cedar. Just cut down a tree. You could. There's like trees up there, right? Yeah, but That's it's wood. not like the good stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, right, right, right. Okay. Like in alone, them. you take an axe and you go and. <laughs> Um, okay, that is all the time we have for the show this week. Thank you to my ride or die, Alyssa. Thanks to Megan and Tien for joining us. Thanks to Ambassador Susan Rice and Senator Maisie Hirono. And thanks to all of you for listening. There will be more hysteria next week. Hysteria is a production of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Brian Semmel and Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week.